Blessings, 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 saints and friends. Good to see you. Good to be back in a uh, Bible study live. Remember to like, share, comment. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter all right now live. So you can also find us in the building at 720 East 2nd Street. So it's so good to see you. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, praise you, love you, honor you, appreciate you for all that you are, all that you mean. Thank you for your grace and your mercy, God. Thank you for your tender mercy and your kindness and love toward us. We ask that you would illuminate our study, that you would bless us in every aspect. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, wonderful to have you with us. So let's uh, pick up this from Sunday. We're going to start with this verse here. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So two weeks ago, we uh, start talking about the good shepherd. Uh, that was the title of the sermon, and, and we worked through that. And the premise that we came from landed us basically in this verse that I am the good shepherd. Jesus is speaking in John, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And so uh, going from that, knowing that Jesus is the good shepherd, we have to understand that sometimes, even though Jesus is the good shepherd, we sometimes become this. We become the lost sheep. And so we want to try to uh, talk through the parallels of the good shepherd and the lost sheep. So actually, the focus is still the good shepherd, but we're looking at it from the standpoint of not good sheep but sometimes lost sheep. And so uh, when we talked about the good shepherd, we lifted out a few sheep characteristics, and we're going to lift those out again. Uh, sheep are meek animals. They are usually very quiet and gentle, holding themselves aloof from the world. In a herd, all the sheep tend to listen to their leaders and to show esteem to them. So these are all very good qualities in sheep. And so the question is, if sheep are meek, which is a good thing, if they're quiet, gentle, if they hold themselves aloof from the world, uh, if they listen to their leader and show esteem to them, why is it that sheep get lost? And so that became the question that we were wanted to grapple with. Why do sheep get lost? Because when you look at these characteristics, these good characteristics, it seems like they are prime to uh, always follow the good shepherd, but that's not the case. So what I wanted to do is look at it from the standpoint of um, actual natural sheep. So when I pose this question, even though we're going to turn it spiritually, I was actually studying it from the standpoint of the actual animal and wondering, okay, why do sheep get lost? And so there were six reasons why sheep get lost, six reasons. Actually, I studied eight, but six of them seem to fit right within our uh, study. So we're going to lift up six of them, the six reasons why sheep get lost. And so we'll try to uh, go through them. The first one is the reason number one is sheep are followers. So the first reason is one of the reasons why sheep are good it's also why they get lost, because they are inherently followers. They don't inherently know what to do or where to go, so they have to follow something. And so since they're designed to follow and not designed to lead, they can follow the wrong thing 
and they can get themselves lost. So what makes them good is also what makes them weak, their need to follow. When it relates to us as human beings in our spirituality, we do not know it all. We cannot see the big picture. We are asked to walk by faith and not by sight. So it handicaps us in the sense that we have to follow something. And if we are not wise, we'll follow the wrong thing. Um, Church in itself would be unnecessary, except for the fact that we are followers. We need something to follow. So we could sit in our room and just read the Bible and pray and talk to God and grow, but we're made to be led. So we need community. We need someone leading us. We oftentimes need someone breaking the word down for us. So it requires us to usually connect to a local church or connect to a ministry or, or find a leader or find somebody to disciple us. And all those things are good, but that makes us weak because it shows we are not independent. We are interdependent. We are dependent on other people. So if you're not wise on who you follow, who you sit under, who you allow to speak over you, you could get yourself lost. So when you're new in uh, Christianity, sometimes you think, well, well, any church is, is, is good. No, that's not. That's the furthest thing from the truth. You need a certain level of leadership over you because many people find that they are stuck, not because they want to be stuck, but because of their leadership, because God has not given them the ability to lead yet. See, most people are growing into leadership themselves. But in order to lead, you must first learn how to follow. So everybody starts in a place where they need to follow something. And so uh, it, it's, sometimes it takes some, some trial and error to find those people or those group of people that you really feel like are leading you in the right way. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So when you find someone who's following Christ, that's, that's good. But it also is hard because we are made to follow. All right, let's look at uh, reason number two. Sheep need strong leaders. So this really goes hand in hand with the first one. They need someone to follow, number one. But if the person they're following isn't strong, a strong leader, then they will be led astray and not even know they're being led astray because they're just designed to follow. One thing about sheep uh, that's similar to us as spiritual people is if the leader led me right Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, my assumption is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, they're still leading me right. And as it relates to Christians, young Christians, this is the person who married me, buried my mother, I got saved under them. So when they start getting off, it's hard for them to reconcile. Yeah, they were on point yesterday, but today's a new day. They were leading you well yesterday, but that doesn't mean they can't become weak tomorrow. And so some people stay in dying ministries when the spirit of God has moved on and the leader has gone from strong to weak 
but they're still loyal because, man, that's where my grandma went. That's where my uncle went. But what do you need right now? If you're following them and you're, it's not getting you anywhere, you have to make some decisions. Now, we're, we're not um, advocating church hopping or anything like that. But you have to understand that when you are made to follow, then the leadership matters. We talked about that in the, uh, the first uh, sermon, a good shepherd. Leadership matters. It matters a lot. Now, if, if you are a good, solid sheep, you actually force the leader to continue to become strong. Uh, because one thing I've learned in our ministry is I can't get up with no weak, wishy-washy word. Amen. They're used to the word of God. They're used to revelation. So if I start playing around, they're going to know something's off. That, that don't sound like, like pastor. So a precedent has been set by, by my, my uh, bishop and even the founder, Bishop Clark, on the Bishop Mitchell. Now I, I have the reins. So I'm following in their footsteps. I've got to give the word of God. And I say it all the time. I give you permission. The moment I start getting off, number one, I'm asking you to try to correct me. But if I don't want to do it and I become a weak leader, I give you permission to disassociate yourself and find somewhere else. Because you should never put loyalty to a man, a woman, a denomination above following God. So the more you become wise as a sheep, the more you understand that. Let's, let's pick up number three. Sheep are social creatures. So uh, when, when I was studying this, it talks about how sheep don't like to go necessarily against the grain. They want to go with the flock. And that's fine, except for when the flock is doing something it shouldn't do. So when the flock gets lost, sheep have a tendency to do whatever the crowd is doing. Mm-hmm. And that, <coughs> that's something we have to be careful. We, we learned it when we were young. We call it peer pressure. But it's a real issue because no one wants to be the odd man out, so to speak. But sometimes you have to understand that God is dealing with you differently. And so you can't fit in with everything and everybody, everybody who says they're saved, you can't socially interact with because they may be saved, but they're negative for what you're working on. So let's say you, you have a whole bunch of saved, divorced women, and all they want to do is sit around and talk about how bad their marriages were, and you're yet married. That may not be the company you need to keep because they're past may affect your future but man I like them they make me feel good but you have to make decisions based on where you're headed is this the best way it may socially feel good but sometimes you have to get away from the flock and do what God wants you to do many times when you do something great for God sometimes you're asked to be a trailblazer you're asked to blaze your own trail you can't do everything everyone else does. Sometimes you're the only one in your family that God has dropped this thing on. And they tell you that you're strange, you're weird, you're too radical. It don't take all that. But for you, it may. So you have to be uh, willing to not so much go for that feel-good feeling of being accepted. 
try to do what God wants you to do. A prime example of that would be David, uh, uh, both uh, David and Joseph. Uh, since Joseph was first, let's talk about Joseph. Joseph had these dreams, and it's not to say that he did everything right, but God was dealing with Joseph. God was raising Joseph up as a leader, and his brothers and his family, they, they, they got sick of him eventually sold him into slavery, but he was the deliverer for the entire family. If Joseph would have quit, given up at any time and just thrown in the towel, the entire narrative would have shifted because he was the one that God was going to use to deliver the entire family. You may be the one God has chosen to deliver the entire family, but if you keep following the family, you can't deliver the family. So you may have to put up with being ostracized, being not invited to stuff. I don't want Trish there because she's going to start praying and acting all, all holy. No, don't invite her. You have to be okay with that because God is giving you an assignment. The last thing I want to do is see John walking through the door. You got to be okay with that because it's, we get in trouble when we want to be so socially accepted. Now, as a pastor, for years, I've had to do things the opposite way. So now I've gotten to the place where it's worked and I have my reputation is good and people like me and they enjoy me. But I have to be careful because I've trained myself to go alone. But now I'm in a season where I'm I'm accepted. But just because I'm accepted doesn't mean everything is happy go lucky. Sometimes I have to remember I'm a pastor. There are certain things cannot do should not do. Yes, it's okay for me to be on social media. Yes, it's okay for me to laugh and have fun. If you know me or follow me, I'm very silly. I like to laugh and have fun, but I draw the line in certain places because at the end of the day, I'm a pastor. I'm a leader. So the people looking up to me, they shouldn't have to be embarrassed because, oh man, your pastor, he just, he a little too wild. there, There ought to be a standard. You ought to, you ought to know he's not super rigid and he's not like holier than now. He's fun, but there is a boundary. There are certain things you're not going to see him doing, certain places you're not going to see him going, because even though I'm a social creature and I would enjoy it, it does not show good leadership. All right, so that leads us to the next one, which turns the actual corner and flips what we just told in an opposite way. Let's look at this, uh, number four. Reason number four is because sheep need personal space. So they get in trouble because they follow the flock. But they also get in trouble because they sometimes want to stand alone. So when I was talking about it Sunday, I was saying that it's one thing when we can look at it was peer pressure that made me do it, or I followed this person, or I got in the wrong crowd, got with the wrong people. But there are some sins we got into all by ourselves. I can't blame the devil. I can't blame the church. Can't blame the pastor. This was on me. I got enticed by myself. So sometimes, and as as I was reading, what happened was the sheep, they get distracted because they need personal space. But in their personal space, they get so caught up in their stuff, what they want, that the shepherd has moved on. The sheep has moved on, and they look up, and now they're lost. They don't know, okay, where where the shepherd go? So, Sometimes, even though it's good to stand alone, isolation can be very scary. 
because when you're isolated and when the music fades and the lights are off, the devil likes to slip in there and tempt and talk and entice. And sometimes when we're lonely, when, when, when you do have to stand alone, sometimes it makes you lonely and you get in the habit of, okay, the, the family rejected me, so I got to I gotta stand on my own two feet. But in that process, the devil starts slipping stuff in, slipping pride in, and you have to be careful. So you have to be careful even standing alone. You still need to find those people that you can trust, that you can connect to, because you still need leadership. And once you get isolated too much, it can be trouble. Um, some several years ago, there was a serial killer, and one of the first times when we seen to be a, a black ser- serial killer, but in the D.C., uh, Maryland, Virginia area, there was a sniper that was just killing people. And one of the things they they noticed is that he waited that to people were isolated. He would get people at gas stations pumping gas when when all the other cars had pulled off and that one person there is pumping then he would snipe them. And it reminds me of how the devil operates. Sometimes you're forced to stand alone, but when you stand alone, man, the devil starts throwing things at you. And so you do need to reconnect to people. You need to have somebody you are accountable to. Stop trying to be a lone ranger because lone rangers get themselves in trouble. So yes, you can't follow everybody, but they are somebody. You got to find your tribe. You got to find your people. You got to find somebody you can unload with, that you can unwind with, that that uh, trust you, that you trust. That's the beauty of uh, marital relationships. It's supposed to be a safe place. It's not always a safe place, but it's supposed to be a place of safety. So, understanding that yes, you have to stand alone and you can't follow the crowd all the time, but also in your personal space, you have to be careful because. At the end of the day, there are uh, the, the scripture says it this way. Uh, this is a better way uh, for me to say it. The scripture says we cannot say that we are tempted, that we are tempted of God. God tempts no man. He says we are. What happens is we are tempted when we're drawn and enticed by our own lust. So we all have personal proclivities, propensities, weaknesses that are akin to us individually that they may be similar to other people's stuff but we all have our own stuff and when you are by yourself your own stuff is brought up well I cheated on my wife because she stopped cooking she stopped cleaning she stopped talking to me yes she may have stopped cooking yes she may have stopped cleaning yes she may have stopped talking to you and all those things are not good but at the end of the day, you cheated because you wanted to. Come on now. You cheated because it was in you mm-hmm. to cheat. So sometimes we have to be honest. There's some stuff in us that, yeah, I would like to go alone and blaze a trail. But too many days alone, I can't trust myself. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm okay in a hotel room by myself in a new place for a day or two. Mm-hmm. 20 days, I may not be so holy. So... I need to let somebody know where I am. I need to have some emergency contact. And I'm not just talking about real emergency talk contact, but you need some people in your life that you can just call and say, pray. I'm struggling. I don't need to give you all the details. Just know I'm human 
and I'm in something that if I'm not careful, will sweep me up. And so we have to be careful of the crowd, but we also have to be careful of us. All right, let's let's move on. Number five, sheep are scaredy sheep. By nature, sheep are fearful. And because they're scared, what the uh, the study I was doing, uh, the, the, the lady that was writing it was talking about what happens is they'll hear the sound of the enemy. They'll hear the sound of the fox, sound of the wolf, and they'll immediately take off running. And then after they can no longer hear the sound, they look up and now they're lost. Instead of waiting for the shepherd. See, the shepherd saw the fox or the wolf long time before the sheep did. And so the shepherd already has a plan to protect, a plan of protection. But the sheep get fearful and they stop following the leader and they just take off running. But they don't know where they're running. They're just running. They're running because they're afraid and then they wake up and look up and then they're lost. So as it relates to us in our humanness, I, I talked about uh, a simple fear, not just us being afraid, but a simple fear we all deal with. And it's the fear of the unknown. We don't know what the future holds. So because we don't know what the future holds, many times we are tempted to do nothing. So uh, in, in the story of the, the, the talents that, that the, the guy who, who had, uh, he had 10, 5, uh, 1, but one of them said, I was afraid. So because of afraid, I just hid the talent. I didn't do anything with it. And so that's one of the worst things we can do as uh, people of God is, well, I don't know how I'm going to be received. I don't know how it's going to work. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So I do nothing because I'm afraid. And then you end up lost. You end up not producing. So even though it's scary, I'm asking you to step into the unknown. Oh, I believe it was several weeks ago at the beginning of the year when we talked about uh, uh, birthing new and newness, we talked about the idea of, listen, we're in a new year, just step into whatever it is. It, it's scary, it uh, can be fearful, but on the other side of it could be great blessings. Step into it. Maybe new job, new this. I had an opportunity to uh, step into a new job or, or my job, a new promotion, and the thing about it is everybody was saying congratulations, but my previous job, I can go to work and leave it there, clock out, never think about it. And I kind of like that because I have such a busy schedule. My mind is on so many things. So I just like going into work, clocking in and clocking out. But here comes an opportunity. And I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to step into that. I'm doing so much. Now I'm going to have to be more focused on like job stuff. Like I, I can't just leave the job there, walk out. I'm like, I don't know. But something in me was like, step into it, take a chance. And so I have for the last several weeks, I've been learning new things and it was exactly what I thought. Now I can't just leave the job there. I, I have to think about certain things, but on the flip side of it, there are some blessings that I didn't know, but I had to get rid of the fear and fearfulness of the unknown and just, Hey, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to step into it. It does, it does pay me a dollar more an hour, so there is some blessing in it. Uh, but it also, I, I learned, it puts me around people and allows me to know what's going on, some of the back 
uh, things that are going on in the plant. And then I learned, well, well, guess what? I can pray about those things. Before I was clocking in, clocking out, didn't really care. Now I know what's going on. I see the paperwork. I see what they were supposed to do, what happened. And so God let me know, I got you there so you could pray. Oh, okay. So, but I had to step into it. So if you stay fearful, you will never, ever be used to the level that God wants to use you if you stay fearful. If you're always running, you're going to get lost. So you have to just say, hey, it's scary, but I'm going to do it. Sometimes we act like we don't understand the scriptures that we talk about all the time. We, re- we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness, spiritual wickedness in high place. Well, pastor, I, I'm, I just, every time, ever since I testified, I've been going through. That's life. That's life. Yeah. The devil is coming after you. Stop being so afraid and tell the devil, I'm going to testify again. You in my face and I'm going to keep, I'm, I'm going to keep on. I'm, I'm not going to stop. The devil has to know that you are not scared. And the reason why you're not scared is not because of your spiritual power, but because of who you follow. I'm following the good shepherd. And so even though I'm afraid, one thing I do know in order to get to me, you got to get to the shepherd. And the last time you try to get to him, you put him on the cross and he whooped your tail. And the reason why I'm in the fold is because you messed with him the last time. So guess what? Instead of being scared, I'm going to follow Christ. So that's what we got to do. All right, let's let's move on. Reason number six, the final reason, a sheep's vision is weird. They have weird vision. So this is this is all going to tie all these things in together. So sheep, if you notice, they ha- their eyes are on the side. They're not like us where they're in front. Their eyes are on the side. So they have great peripheral vision and they can actually see behind them. One of the reasons why they get scared easily is because they can sense and see the dangers that are beside, uh, uh, beside them and behind them, but they can barely see in front of their nose. So they can see what's going on around them. That's why it's easy for them to follow the crowd. They can see what's going on behind them, but they don't have a whole lot of vision for what's in front of them. So they need a shepherd. They need a leader. The Bible says where there is no vision, the people perish. Uh, one version says they'll cast off restraint. In other words, they'll just, they'll give up. They won't have hope. So you, when you are a sheep, you are prone to get lost because you're trained to look behind you or which is the past or look around you, get stuck in the present. Well, uh, other, everybody else having sex. Shoot. I mean, I, why am I still trying to, trying to abstain? Uh, well, the last time I abstained, I, I didn't have a good relationship, but you're looking at, you're looking to the side of you, you're looking behind you, but you can't see the future. So you have to trust your leader. If your leader is moving forward, you got to move forward. If your leader says we're going this way, you got to go this way. And so if you are not following the leader as a sheep, you will get lost. It's, it's, it's not, uh, uh, by happenstance, it's almost a guarantee based on the way your vision is, you will get lost. But that's what makes the beauty of the shepherd so great is he knows how to herd the sheep together to get them all moving in a direction and they can barely see 
All they can see is him. And here's the thing. Their senses are very strong. So that's why in John 10 says, my sheep know my voice. So I may not be able to see everything in front of me, but I can hear you, God. And that's why we have the word of God. That's why you come to Bible study. Because as long as I keep hearing his voice, his voice begins to let me know what direction I'm in. On Valentine's Day, uh, me and my wife and a couple others from the church went to this marital couple's uh, dance and, and function. And so they called me up to the stage uh, along with other husbands, and they blindfolded us and had our wives stand out in the audience and call our names. And everybody was calling their husband's name at the same time. I could hear Andre, and I would move to the direction of the voice, doing very good. But then they would stop, and they say, pause and make the women move across the room and then call our names again. So now we have to move toward the voice. But it was so interesting to me that with all of those voices being called, I didn't hear no one's name but mine because I was most familiar with my wife's voice. And when you're familiar with the voice of God, which is what this training is about, you're not just going to church to show off your outfit and see your friends and, and, and have a good time and shout and dance. You're going to be trained in the voice of God. That way, when the sermon is over, the doors of the church are closed, you still know how to follow God because you can hear his voice. God, I hear you. And I say this all the time, telling you the story about my daughter when she was in a dark room saying, Daddy, I can't see you, but I can hear you. And then when she was able to reach out, Daddy, I can't see you, but I can feel you. If I can feel God and I can hear God, I can, I'm going to be okay. And so don't worry about not seeing because we walk by faith, not by sight. You're not going to see it all. You're not going to understand it all. But if you can still hear the voice of God, if you still crave the voice of God, the Bible says those who do hunger and thirst after righteousness, they shall or they will be filled. You are going to be filled. It's going to work out. It's going to turn in your favor. God is going to make a way out of no way. God is going to be a miracle worker, way maker. As long as you make up in your mind, I'm going to follow his voice. In the process, you may get lost. You, you may wander. Sheep are known for wandering. But here's the thing, and as we move forward, here's how we're shifting. When you get lost and you wander, the onus is on the shepherd to get you back, not you. See, we always think, well, if I do get lost, it's my job to get myself back to God. But the truth of the matter is, in the beginning, God sent the son to us, sent him born of a virgin through 42 generations, wrapped in swallowing clothes, stuck him in a manger. But the whole message of the gospel is God came after you. You didn't have to come after him. I know we sang the song and we love it. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's powerful. But the truth of the matter is he decided to come after you. You couldn't decide to follow him if he didn't decide to pursue you. So the grateful thing is if you are one of his sheep and you do get lost, he's coming after you. All right, let's look at uh, how I, Isaiah says it. Isaiah says in Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on him 
the iniquity of us all. I didn't take time on Sunday to break that word down, iniquity, but I will, uh, I will today. So uh, if you see it over here in the corner, you can actually still see the verses. We all, sh- like sheep, have gone astray. Here's the beauty of our humanity. We all have gone astray. I don't care if he the pope, the bishop. I don't care if he got a robe on with a hat. He done gone astray all the way down to the person who just got saved. We all, like sheep, have gone, gone astray. We all have wandered. And then it says, each of us have turned to our own way. We all have, at points in our life, chosen what we wanted, what felt good to us, at the expense of our spirit, at the expense of our soul, all of us. So all these people who act like they're perfect, they, they just lying because they are, if they haven't done it, they thought about doing it. See, some people think they are delivered because they've avoided stuff. Just because you avoid it don't mean it ain't in you to do it. Well, shoot, I, I ain't never, I ain't never uh, uh, thought about nobody but my wife. It's because you ugly. Ain't nobody looking at you. If you was better looking, maybe you would be tempted. So that don't, don't, don't get all so diddy now. We all are human. We all. And then here's, this is what, what's powerful. It says, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So in scripture, you'll see the scripture talking about sin, but every now and then it talks about iniquity. Sin is the fruit. Iniquity is the root. When you trace it down and study it out, it, it really means lawlessness. It is the thing in you that drives you to do what you do. So uh, using the example again of, of cheating, cheating is the sin, but what made you go through all of the process to get to the sin is the iniquity. And so iniquity is much deeper. So when you, when you think of it, a scar is open. It's an open on top of the flesh wound. A bruise is something deeper. In other words, uh, you only know that you're bruised either by soreness or by you see the discoloration on, on your skin. For African-American people with more me- uh, melanin, it's harder to know that we're bruised because it doesn't show up as much. Lighter skinned people or, or white people, they usually will see the bruise. So what a bruise is, is when blood vessels get broken underneath the skin. So it's deep. So that's why uh, if if we go back a verse, we'll understand what he's saying. So we're going to actually go back to verse 5. This is verse 6. We're going to go back to verse 5. It says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. So he was wounded for our sins because sins are open. But he was bruised for our iniquities because our iniquities is the deep stuff. In other words, let, let me uh, put this side by side so I, I can look y'all in the face and say this. Um, your bruises is the stuff that you can hide because don't nobody know. Or your iniquities is stuff that don't nobody know you're doing but you and God because some of the stuff that we do in the booth in the back in the dark in the corner when ain't nobody looking we ain't gonna do it in church we're not gonna do it on the church lot we're not gonna do it in the pews while we lifting our hands talking about I'm gonna put a praise on it but at two o'clock in the morning when ain't nobody watching that's when the iniquities show up and we all have iniquities but the bible says he was bruised 
for our iniquities. In other words, he's saying, even though you can hide it from the general population, I still know what you're going through. And so then let's continue to read. He, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. So when you pick up verse six, it says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our way, own way. And the Lord, Yahweh, has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Even the stuff that we can hide, God laid it on him. And so what God is saying is, I paid for the sins that don't nobody know you got but me and you. I paid for them too. The open sins. Now, that's why we have to be careful about judging people because it's easy to judge the wounds because they're open. Oh, man, look, so-and-so out there was stumbling down the street drunk. Man, so she, I don't know what's wrong with her. Well, that's obvious to see. But what about the stuff that can be hidden? So what, what God says, I, I see it all. I see you, you're lost with the open stuff, but you're also lost with the hidden secret stuff. And instead of beating you up, I just laid on him the iniquity of us all. He paid for all of it. So now let's pick up this verse. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. So this is what this is saying. It's saying he took the place of the sheep, even though he was a shepherd. And he's like, as a lamb goes to the slaughter, because even though sheep are raised and loved and taken care of, sometimes they're raised to be somebody's dinner. They're raised to be somebody's soup. And so he said, just like the lamb goes to be slaughtered and the sheep walks right in and is led right in, Jesus took the place of the sheep, not because he did anything wrong, but for all of our junk, the open as well as the secret. Let's look at how, how David uh, says it. David says in Psalms 119.74, I long for your salvation, Lord, and your law gives me delight. I want to be saved. Let me live that I may praise you and may your law sustain me. That sounds powerful. But look at this verse. I have strayed like a lost sheep. We'll stop there for a second. The beginning, we'll go back real quick. It says, I long for your salvation. In other words, I say I'm saved. I want to be saved. I desire to be saved. I long to be saved. But I have still strayed like a lost sheep. I'm saved but lost. I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, but I still got lost. I have strayed like a lost sheep. And then this is what he says. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commandments. I love the power of what David is saying. He said, yes, I strayed, but I'm not going to try to find my way back to you. God, find your way to me. God, come after me. If I do lose my way, don't leave me out there. Don't leave me lost. God, come after me. It might be my fault that I'm lost. It's more than likely not your fault that I'm lost. But even though I got lost on my own, in my junk, in my stuff, in my sin, the open stuff and the secret stuff, I say, God, come after me. Seek after me. Because at the end of the day, I long for your deliverance. And at the end of the day, I don't want to be like this. This is how you know you're saved is when you can get away with it, but you still don't want to do it. I got away with it. Nobody knows it. But between me and you, God, I don't want to stay like this. 
I don't want to live like this. Yeah, yeah, the pastor will never know. My mom and daddy will never know. My wife will never know. But between me and you, God, I don't want to be like this. So God, rescue me. Pull me out. In other words, I want to practice what I preach. And even though I can fool the masses, God, between me and you, I don't want to stay like this. And that's how you know you're moving in the right direction. And God will always come to the cry of the humble sheep that says, yes, I'm lost, but I want you more than I want my own way. I've been there, saints, because I rededicated my life. I was, it was either the summer of my 18th year or, or right at the turn of my 19th year. I can't quite remember. So I rededicated my life to the Lord, and I've lived for the Lord ever since. But that also means the majority of my sins, so since I'm now 45 going toward 46, that means from 19 to 46, that means the majority of my sins happened while I was saved. I did uh, some stuff when I wasn't saved, but the majority of my mistakes happened while I was saved. So... The reason why I'm as anointed as I am is because privately I've cried out to God and said, God, I'm sorry. God, I didn't mean to act like this, to think like this. I didn't mean to say it. Some stuff I didn't say, but it was in me to say it. God, I don't want to be like this. God, God, help me. And because I'm open and honest with my iniquities, because when you see when you see me, you see me in my best light. You see me dressed up, shaven. You see me anointed. You see with the word of God on, on me. And they be like, oh, you're so awesome. You're so awesome. I, I can't get caught up in that because you only see me in my best light. I've seen me in my best light, but I've seen me in my worst light. I've seen me on top of the mountain, but I've seen me in the bottom of the barrel. And I know there's some stuff on the bottom of the barrel. I've learned that I'm anointed, but I'm showing up human. And in my humanness, I have failed God miserably. But the reason why I'm yet so anointed is not because I fake it, but when I have fallen and hit the, uh, my face on the ground, like David, I say, God, seek me out. God, find me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch, not like y'all, a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. So like David, I'm saying, God, seek me out. One of the greatest scriptures to me in the Bible to come uh, and to combat someone who has lost and messed, made a mess of things is Psalms 51, where David, after he had sinned with Bathsheba and after he had had Uriah killed, not only is he dealing with adultery, then he deals with lie, murder. I mean, when David did it, he did it up big. But if you look at Psalms 51, it's a man who crying out to God and he's saying, even though I did this, I don't want to be like this. I don't want to stay like this. And he makes this statement to God, God, whatever you do, don't take your spirit away from me, God. And David at that time, he, he was a king and he didn't say, well, don't take the kingdom from me. Don't let me lose my money. Don't let me lose my, 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 my power. He said, God, whatever, don't let me lose your spirit. And that's how you know you're the right kind of sheep. Because listen, listen, if, my, if I have to lose my marriage, my money, my house, my car, God, don't let me lose you. Don't let me lose your spirit, your presence, God. If I can't feel you, if I can't hear you, God, God, I, I can't see you. And I'm okay with that. But I got to feel you sometime. I, I got to hear you sometime. So, God, don't remove your presence. Whatever you got to do to me to keep me to the place where I can still feel you and hear you, God, I want that. 
Because at the end of the day, I'm a lost sheep, but you're the good shepherd. Let's look at, at how, how Paul says it. Paul, I love the honesty of Paul in Romans chapter 7. He says this, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. In other words, not all the time can I carry out what I know is good. Sometimes I didn't do things because I was tricked into it. I knew it was wrong, but I just didn't have the willpower to do what was right. They said something funny to me, and I said, I need to walk away. But 10 minutes later, I was cussing them out. Now, I knew I needed to walk away, but just it, I couldn't find the right words to walk away. These other words was right there. And I don't know how I went from fasting on Monday to cussing on Thursday, but evil was in me. And God allows those things sometimes to happen to humble us, to let us know we need his leading because we can easily get lost. We're like sheep. All right. Let's look at verse 19. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. If you've ever been in the trap of addiction or the trap of a stronghold, you know what's right. You want to do what's right. But when you want to do it, it seems like evil just keeps getting the best of you. For those who are saved, and I get tempted with sexual sin, especially our single people. Sometimes that is very difficult because you 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 want to do right, but your body is craving one thing. And then you find yourself caught between that place. And sometimes you make decisions that you didn't want to make. But the decision you make gets you trapped to do it again. And so sometimes what a lot of times what people do, they just start trying to hide stuff, cover stuff up. But I encourage you just to come to God and just say, God, this is who I am. This is where I am. And God, I don't want to stay like this. So God, help me because I want to do good, but something keeps rising up in me. Let's look at this verse, verse uh, 20. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it's sin living in me that does it. Paul began to come to a revelation. If I really don't want to do it, but keep doing it, then really it's not me who's doing it because the me is the me that serves God. That means that there is, and he says it in, uh, in King James Version, he says there's another, actually it's the next verse, let's just go to it. It says, so I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. And the King James says, he says, I find another law in my members. In other words, in my body, in my flesh, I find a whole nother set of laws. So what it teaches us is that we are spirit living this life through the flesh. So what the flesh wants to do is not who I really am. Yeah. So I can't let the devil beat me up over what I'm tempted to do because what I'm tempted to do is not who I really am. Who I am is I'm a child of God. Now, my flesh may not always be a child of God, but who I am is a child of God. So I'm learning to disassociate between me and my flesh or what's working in me. In other words, I'm a sheep with some goat tendencies. I got some goat in me. So I have to learn how to yield to the sheep so I won't act like the goat. Since we in church, I won't say it any way other than this. I'm a sheep with some donkey tendencies. I got some donkey in me. So I have to learn how to, when the donkey and the goat rises up, 
instead of letting the devil beat me up, I just have to say, okay, this is true. This is in me, but I'm going to keep following after the sheep in me so that I can be the person that I need to be. And it ought to make you humble and now not so judgmental. When the next person falls, you begin to say, I understand it. I get it. So if don't nobody rush to their aid, I'm going to rush to their aid because I know what it's like. In other words, I don't want to kick them when they're down because I was down, but nobody knew about it because God covered my, my stuff was hidden. Nobody knew it. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to rush to their aid. I'm going to pick them up. You, you don't always sometimes go to them, but many times you stand in prayer for them. You stand in the gap for them and you say, yeah, yeah, I know they messed up, but, but I, I, I'm standing in the gap for them. Me as a pastor, there's pastors all across the globe that are consistently messing up, blowing things, doing horrible things. But I'm very, very careful. If you're around me and know me, I'm very, very careful when people ask me about high profile pastors who fall. Because what I know, I could be next. So I don't have a whole lot of stuff to say. I may have an opinion, but I keep that opinion to myself because it could be me. So I stand in the background and pray because I know I may not have done what they've done, but I got some donkey in me too. All right. So let's move. Let's move on. Romans seven twenty four. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? So I stop there and I move to another uh, uh, verse to answer it. So Paul makes this statement now in that same chapter, he answers it. And then he goes on to Romans eight. One of the greatest to me, one of the greatest sermons ever is Romans eight, but it comes on the heels of Romans seven and him asking this question, like I'm a messed up man. Who's going to deliver me? And of course he answers it, but I wanted to answer it in a different way by going to an old Testament person. So let's look at Ezekiel real quick and see what he says in Ezekiel 34, 11 for this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. Look at what it says in verse 12. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. And here's the answer to Paul's question. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. Another version says thick darkness. Here's the beauty of what uh, God is saying through Ezekiel, listen, I know you messed up. I knew you were messed up when you chose, when I chose you, I knew you were messed up when I invited you on my team, but guess what? On the day when darkness comes and what that, what that means spiritually is yes, there's some stuff, some stuff you've done because you got donkey in you and you got gold in you. But really the reason why you did it is because of the darkness of this age, you were enticed. In other words, the devil really sets a whole bunch of traps for you. He don't, the devil don't make it easy for you. And darkness is all around us. And even when we want to do good, there's evil and there's darkness. And sometimes you are enticed, not because of you, but because other people have enticed you. So you got your own stuff that can get you in trouble. Then you got all the junk around you to get you in trouble. Then you got a devil throwing darkness at you in your way. And God says, I ain't worried about all that. I'm going to come after my, my sheep and I'm going to rescue them. So when you're lost, as lost can be, God says, all that does is signal 
me to come after you. One uh, songwriter says his love is like a reckless love. It chases us. It chases after us. It, it knocks down walls to find us. And I want you to understand if you are lost and are in darkness, you don't have to run away from God. Just stand still. God is coming after you. Let's look at this next uh, verse. So he says that he will rescue them. Verse uh, 13 then uh, says this. I myself will tend, verse, we jump to verse 10, 15. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. Well, pastor, I can't come to church because I'm stray and I just... And I got into some stuff and, you know, I got this court case and I, I don't want to look like I'm running to God because I got in trouble. Listen, don't worry about all that. The Bible says he will go after the strays. So if you feel God calling you, the scripture says it this way. He says, with a loving kindness have I drawn thee and shown you my salvation. So you feel drawn, but you're like, oh, I don't know. Listen, if you're stray, just allow God to bring you on back. It's okay. And in Deliverance Temple, you're dealing with a church, we all been stray. Amen. Some of us were stray yesterday. Oh, <laughs> we, ain't talking about, we ain't talking about 20 years ago. In some churches you go to, yeah, yeah, I messed up 20 years ago. But for some of us, <laughs> it was 20 minutes ago. <laughs> but we're just, we're just honest and we're here to yeah. say, yes, we're stray. But God, if you want to stray, yeah. here I am. God, if you want to, if you want to use somebody, use me. God, if you want to pull somebody out, pull me out. God, if you want to rescue somebody, I'm prime example to be rescued. God, I'm here because of you and because of your what? Because of your grace, your grace, your amazing grace. All right, let's look at verse 25. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of savage beasts so that they may live in the wilderness and sleep in the forest in safety. I will make them and the places surrounding my hill a blessing. I will send down showers in the season. There will be showers of blessing. I understand this saying, but it's not absolutely true. God don't bless mess. Sometimes God will bless you right in the middle of your mess just to show you how good he is. Because the Bible says it is the goodness of the Lord that leads you to repentance. Some of the stuff you got, you shouldn't have got. You didn't have no business getting. But even though you were messy, God bless you anyhow. Because he says, I'll give you showers of blessings. And on Sunday, I told you that who needs showers the most? Dirty folk need showers. So God says, even though you're dirty and messy and dusty and wrong and lost, I'm going to show you my goodness and show you my kindness. And once you receive your goodness and kindness, if you got any sense, you will run back to God because you shouldn't have been good to me. You shouldn't have been merciful to me. You shouldn't have anointed me. You, you shouldn't have blessed me. You shouldn't have healed me. You shouldn't have touched me and turned it around. But since you did it, God, I'm coming after you. Because you've been so good to me. Ezekiel 4, 34, 31. You are, you are my sheep, the sheep of my pastor, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. So even though you're lost, you're still his sheep. How did Jesus say it? Jesus said it so powerfully. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? 
And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. Now, wait a second. The sheep got lost on its own. But Jesus says, when I go and find the sheep, I pick the sheep up. So he ain't even got to walk back. I'm going to carry him back. So you see some people that look like they was lost and they was going the wrong direction. Next thing you know, they're in front of you. How'd that happen? Jesus went and got them and picked them up. And while you was stuck acting stupid and, and, and judging folk, God putting people right in front of you. God is picking up his sheep and bringing them where they belong. Look at verse seven. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So all them sedity ministries and churches that don't want sinners around and get itch, itchy when sinners come in. Listen, God says, ah, the heaven, heaven throws a party every time one sinner repent. And what repent means changes his mind. And what our ministry about is communicating Christ's love compassionately so that sinners will have a hope to change their mind and just say, hey, God, come find me. And everybody should be rejoicing. And here's the final thing we're going to, to Peter. And good old Peter knows what it's like to be totally lost, actually denying and cussing the Lord. But here, uh, here and cutting ears off, Peter was a mess. But look at what Peter says in this. And we close from this. For you were like sheep going astray. He's quoting the scripture we already read in Isaiah. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So in God, he doesn't celebrate the losing or the loss. He celebrates the return. And here we are. We are the lost sheep, but we are returning back to our God. And like Peter says, hey, we're coming back. So as as we close on Sunday, I told the people to say it. And so I, I'm going to ask you to say it again uh, here in the building. And those of you who are online, say it. Just say these two words. I'm back. I'm back. The devil thought he had me, but I'm back. Here's the final. Here's the final point. Reasons why it's okay to sometimes be a lost sheep is because we have such a good shepherd. We can always run to. We got a shepherd we can always, always run to. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for being the good shepherd. And we thank you for sometimes being the good sheep. But so many times we've been the lost sheep. But we thank you that even though we've been the lost sheep, your goodness have come running after us. And we say we are returning to you, Lord. We are back in the fold and we're here to follow you. And the only thing we want to do is help other people who are lost follow you too. So give us the strength. And having said that, God, I pray over every person under the sound of my voice, even beyond the sound of my voice, all across this globe that needs your salvation, that doesn't know you in the pardon of their sins. I'm praying that a revival would break out across this globe, greater than COVID, that touched lives everywhere. But a revival would touch people and men and women would say, what must I do to be saved? And before that great getting up morning, uh, many of these lost sheep will be found and they'll be part of the fold and much rejoicing will happen in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a great, marvelous, and uh, wonderful week. Much love. See you.
uh, next week. Next week, we will not have online Bible study. Next week, it will be in-person only. Uh, so uh, those of you who want to come, just come on in the building next week. And uh, for the online uh, crowd, we'll do something special for you, but we won't have the normal online Bible study next week. All right. God bless you. We love you.